0: I want to win again, for sure, but like my next goal is, is Bathurst. Now that's uh, emphasis on that raises, and I need to try and get that done.
1: When I first took over the team at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, it weren't especially rosy, but we managed to win a, a race with Chaz Mostert that year in, in July, and I thought, gee, this cape is bloody easy.
0: Hey, I'm David
2: Reynolds from Penrite Racing, and this is Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock swapping roles slightly as Tony is on the road. And have you hit Bathurst yet, Tony?
1: No, no. Still a few hours to go yet, but uh, I'll make it by tomorrow. As we record this on
2: Tuesday night, the big news coming out, well, this evening by Mark Fogarty is that he is confirming in his story on autoaction.com.au and i imagine it's going to be in the papers this week uh, if the uh, magazine is released this week which i don't th- i think it came out last week didn't it, um, yes, it did. yeah so uh, his story is confirming that there will be a sydney space supercar team in 2020 out of a partnership and it's a very interesting partnership Rob Salmon, uh, could be Peter Adderton involved in a sponsorship package and it could even involve uh, Techno Autosports Steve Webb who is a Sydney based of course uh, building entrepreneur so Tony, I know you've been uh, running the phones this evening since this story has broken to, to find out a lot more, and uh, congratulations to Fogues, because uh, I believe the people you're talking to can't believe the amount of detail that he has got together in this story.
1: Indeed, indeed. And, um, you know, Mark Bogarty's been a news hound around motorsport and other sports early in his career, uh, for many years and uh, again he has shown his ability to break a new story and I think he just made mention of the fact that the auto action was out last week in a uh, pre-Bathurst edition so the would uh, be at least 10 days before that uh, Mark can go to press with this story the detail um, that Mark had in the story or has in the story is uh, quite uh, quite large and certainly the elements involve many different layers, now uh, Rod Salmon is somebody who has uh, raced in supercars. He's raced at Bathurst with Damien White in an ex-Phil uh, uh, Ward-owned Perkins car back in the uh, uh, early 2000s, maybe late 90s, in fact. And uh, he's a highly successful racer, but most known, most known really is a highly successful businessman across many disciplines, many different industries. Um, he uh, has used uh, many of his racing to promote those very same industries, whether it's uh, his pub, uh, um, i try to remember the name but it, I can't remember it. He had it in Darling Harbour for many years, um, and uh, his education system, software, all sorts of different things. Anyway, so Steve Webb, Techno, uh, Jonathan Webb, the, the license provided one element of it, there are potentially up to six wrecks available. That's racing, racing entitlement contracts. Um, uh, James Courtney, the driver, Sydney driver, Supercars Australia would love this to happen because they feel that they're being hindered by the fact there is no Sydney team for people to follow. <laughs> Not since the days of Lansdale in 03 when that folded and before that Wayne Gardner back in the 90s. So um, they would be... Uh, Reportedly, to use uh, 888-built uh, ZB Commodores. So they'd be, you know, in certainly uh, racy cars, and uh, they'd be competitive with rumours that possibly a second car with Richie Stanaway because he might be leaving GRM. There are a lot of elements to this story, um, from uh, Damien White being involved um, to uh, many other layers as part of it. It, it's going to be interesting to see because they have a deadline, a very strict deadline, which is the closing of the entries for the 2020 season, which is Friday week. That's the 18th of October, after which you cannot race in the series next year. So there is a deadline they've got to work to get the elements in place and to make sure that uh, if they're going to do it, they've got to make sure it succeeds because obviously you can only have one go at this. Um, it's building a new complex at Sydney Motors Hall Park. won't be ready until 2021, and they'd be in a temporary building for next year. But let's wait and see. But there's more news out there. While that is the biggest story in the biggest week, other things happening around uh, the Kellys, for instance.
2: Now, hold on just before we go. The people you've spoken to tonight, uh, yep. they, as bullish as... Fogues is with his uh, headline saying confirmed Sydney Supercars team.
1: I I don't believe it's confirmed. I believe that there's there's a lot more things have to happen before that one.
2: But they've got a they've got a week to solve this issue and to to get over those last hurdles.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, They they do. I mean, it's got to make sense because the men involved, whether it's Addison, Salmon, or Webb, all of them will not go into this venture. Just to be involved in motorsport at the top end in Australia, they it's got to be financially viable, and for that reason, I don't think you can say yes it is going to go ahead. I um, I'd like to think it will go ahead because it will certainly add another layer to the series. But um, and while Fogarty has written very positively, it'll go ahead. I don't believe you could say that it is anywhere near you know that stage of push the button go.
2: Right, An interesting story, that is for sure and definitely more is going to come out of it at Bathurst this weekend. It's probably going to lead most of the news stories over the next couple of days, that's for sure. You're right, Kelly's were on top of the mountain this weekend and uh, Rick Kelly has launched their fan-chosen livery, which is Russell Ingalls' Silver Bullet Castrol car. Here's rick talking about the car followed by russell ingall now tony craig lowndes has been nominated for a don award for his 2018 bathurst win that's great news and recognition for the now retired and uh, endurance cup driver
1: yes indeed it's uh, amazing that he would be nominated uh... As though he's a solo driver (laughs) at last year's Madness win. Quite extraordinary.
2: Yeah, you have to wonder what uh, Steve Richards did wrong, don't you? The award, which uh, the judging has considered that through their performance, an example, it has inspired or has most inspired the nation. So the uh, winner will be at Sport Australia's Induction Awards and Gala Dinner, the 35th annual event of that nature and we'll have to see who picks up the Don Award. It'll be a tough field. Ash Barty winning the French Open. You've got the Australian men's cricket team retaining the Ashes. The women's team well I think the women's team actually retained them as well but they definitely won them over in England. If the Australian rugby team get up they'll be a a tough one to knock off but it might be too late for that nomination this year so we'll have to see how it all pans out. A talk talking about people who uh, have had very successful careers Triple um, A to welcoming back Jeremy Moore and Tony Price Tony
1: Yes indeed, Jeremy Moore uh, has had uh, wonderful success not only with Triple but in fact uh, on his trip overseas he uh, only picked up a couple of Le Mans wins and a couple of World Endurance Championships uh, <laughs> on his time away from Triple uh, A so he certainly uh, learnt, learnt heaps over here and then took it with him so it'll be great to have him back he'll be in charge of engineering at uh, 888 so that's a big return and Tony Price has uh, been very busy as well he's been involved in uh, um, the uh, Hyundai World Rally Championship as well as uh, Toyota's LMP program so he'll be bringing back a lot of experience to the team as a fabricator and obviously someone who knows the racing game pretty well from an international point Mm. um You've uh, picked up on a story about Erebus. They've done some interesting things.
2: Well, I know you've been speaking with them, and uh, I was going to speak to you more about how they've prepared for this year because it's been quite unique.
1: Yes, it has. Um, they uh, chose to head up with uh, their four drivers and their race engineers, team manager and crew chiefs, and they put them in teams, and uh, said, go to it. And in fact, the drivers, instead of driving, they were on the radios playing engineers, and the engineers were playing drivers, and it was all to do some bonding. And uh, from all I understand is that it's going very strongly towards uh, Erebus just being uh, a little bit more bonded together. They're certainly a very strong team and have shown great results. This is just another way in which Barry uh, Ryan-led team has uh, just taken them to another level, certainly.
2: It's going to be uh, very, very critical this weekend. The teams get their pit stops right, and uh, Erebus have been working tirelessly on their pit stop training because throughout this year there have been times where both Anton and, and David Reynolds have been hampered by some, you know, fairly critical and routine uh, failures in the pit lane.
1: Indeed. But I'm sure that they uh, the work they've done will uh, help them just move back up to being the team that was able to take out the 2017 Bathurst 1000, as well as win a number of other races. And uh, they uh, are certainly one of the strongest uh, performing teams in, in recent years. Okay. Now, well- Nissan
2: have also... Uh, had an aero upgrade. Now, motorsport.com, Andrew Van Leeuwen, who'll join us after the break, was the uh, first man to get a hint that they were doing some changes to the boot area of the Altima, and now supercars have approved an outboard extension to the boot lid and an extension of the gurney flap along the boot area for the Altimas from Bathurst onwards. So that's going to be an interesting one to see if that makes much of a difference. ..to the Nissans at Bathurst and they will be carrying that on for the rest of the season. Um, Matt Stone Racing have revealed uh, another livery. It's the 2012 SP Tools retro livery that uh, was on the Stone Brothers Racing car. Uh, So that will be a familiar car to many. This weekend on the track, and James Hinkscliffe and Alexander Rossi. Well, they met up with some locals on Tuesday at the Sydney Zoo ahead of this weekend's Bathurst 1000. Here's what they both had to say about preparing for this week this weekend's great race.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, getting to get into the locals is always an important part. I think of uh, coming to a new venue, so to get to come out here to the zoo and. See some of the, the local wildlife. It's been a lot of fun.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, obviously, when you come to Australia, the, the thing you you want to do is go see the animals. So uh, we got to pet some kangaroos uh, just before this, and then to come hang out with uh, probably the cutest animals in the world uh, it was it was pretty awesome. So uh, very unique experience and getting the the whole Australian, ticking all the boxes uh, while we're here.
3: Honestly, uh, the kangaroos are pretty cool, man. They were like way more affectionate and interactive than I thought they were going to be. They're way more social, almost like cool. Cool little dog, you know? Yeah, I mean, for us, the, the difference between a supercar and an Indy car, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, obviously, going from a single seater to a, to a tin top, closed wheel, uh, you know, back on the wrong side of the car, shifting with your left hand, it's a lot of differences. Uh, obviously, IndyCars, you're very reliant on the downforce. Supercars, not so much, but they still have big horsepower. So, what the car requires from a driver is quite a bit different. But Alex and I have had some chance, uh, or had a chance last week to get in the car, get a little bit of experience. Learning the track now is going to be the hard part. I mean, everybody talks about Bathurst and the challenge at Mount Panorama is for everybody that ever goes there. That's a little more daunting, I think, but uh, we're up to it. We're looking forward to getting out there. I mean, I've heard the weekend is like one of the best sporting events, I think, in Australia for the entire calendar year. and uh, It's one I've always wanted to come see, even just as a spectator. So the fact that my first time there is going to be in in the best seat in the house, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I've heard it's a bit of a party, and hopefully we can put on a good show for everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge running the circuit for sure. I mean, uh, circuit knowledge is always a huge advantage, and a lot of these guys have been racing supercars for a long time. Obviously, this is our first crack at it, but you know, you got to get your first one out of the way at some point. Uh, we've been working on simulators, we've been watching a lot of video, we've been doing everything we can to try to prepare ourselves, but ultimately you know, you kind of just have to jump in the deep end and, and get out there and get your first lap.
4: Yeah, and we were fortunate uh, that the team was able to get us uh, some test days um, near Melbourne prior to, to coming here, so at least uh, James and I both have some time in uh, the Holden Commodore um, and, and have an idea of, of what the car is like and, and how different it is from an Indy car. Um, but obviously going to, to Bathurst and Mount Panorama is a completely different um, scenario and a whole new challenge and, and one that we're going to have to adapt to pretty quickly. Uh, it's obviously a big track to learn, um, one that doesn't forgive mistakes, but also the weather plays a pretty big role. So uh, we have our, our, uh, our work cut out for us, but fortunately Walk and the United has been great in terms of getting us up to speed, and we have great teammates that have helped us so far. So... Um, we're, we're fairly optimistic with what we can accomplish you know driving a supercar is is different but at the end of the day I mean race cars are race cars right it's you're still trying to go around the track as fast as, as everyone else um, and it's just little characteristics to get used to I think the biggest thing obviously is just the weight of the car you know in indie car things um, happen a lot faster it's a lot of a, it's, a, it's a much stiffer car it's probably half the weight so the the forces you know come a lot quicker whereas a supercar you almost even though you're going 300k an hour, you have to be very patient with it and, and um, you know, just realize that things take more time. And, and the biggest thing, I think, for James and I to get used to is the braking. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to change your approach and your technique quite a bit from that standpoint. But uh, fortunately, there's not a lot of braking zones at Bathurst. It's a lot of high-speed corners, so uh, we won't have too big of a disadvantage. I mean, we've heard everything, right? From the, the crazy stories of the fans that camp there to uh, the technical challenges of the track to you won't believe the elevation until you get there. So I think we're going in, you know, not really knowing what to expect. Um, and I, that's part of the fun of it. That's part of this whole experience and why, you know, it was such a big deal for us to have this opportunity to come race at Bathurst 1000 is because the track is so unique. The event is one of the top six motor races in the world, in my opinion. So... Um, it's just been a, a hell of an opportunity to be able to be out here in the first place. Warren Luff was, was nice enough to stay for, for the remainder of the time for us and, and kind of help us through procedural stuff, you know, driver changes, um, you know, just things that you need to know that's specific to to a V8 supercar versus what we're used to. Uh, but obviously once we get to the race, we can, and can kind of all be on track at the same time and and compare data and set-up and driving styles, it'll be a, a big benefit for James and I. So, Tony, huge show this week.
1: Yes, indeed. Great to catch up with both Andrew Van Leeuwen of motorsport.com and Stephen Bartholomeus of com. Getting their input, I don't think any of the, the recent news really has much change to their predictions and their forecasts about the uh, great race, but let's go to them and listen to their comments. So
2: coming up after the break, we have our Bathurst Roundtable with Andrew Van Leeuwen
1: and
5: Stephen Bartholomeus. Each week join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
3: Still a bit in shock. Uh,
5: thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
6: Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside
5: Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. <laughs>
4: I'm Jack LeBrock from Truck Assist Techno Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars.
1: Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. We're joined this week by two luminaries of Australian motorsport, they being Stefan Bartholomeus from supercars.com and Andrew Van Leeuwen from motorsport.com. Welcome on board, chaps. G'day. Yes, ready in prime for another day at the mountain or two?
6: Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, it's an exciting time for everyone. Involved in the sport, whether you're uh, driving the cars or working on them or writing about them or just watching as a fan, um, yeah, the so leading into Bathurst and then the event itself is uh, really the highlight of the year.
1: Andrew, you've done some big international motorsport. Does uh, Bathurst really uh, still range up bigger than your ideas? Oh, definitely.
0: I don't know what it is. I, I kind of, I was actually thinking about it this morning. I feel really excited about, about this year's Bathurst 1000 and I don't know if I actually just feel that way every year but then I forget about it and then it comes back. Or whether there is something special about this year because I just feel like there's so many contenders and there's, there's no championship fight and we're just going to Bathurst to really go racing. It just feels like a big one, but maybe I'd get swept up in this every year. It's, uh, it's hard to keep track.
1: One of the things that I've thought very much about this year, because it is a unique year in the 50-odd years, is that Bathurst, there, straight, bang, into it, no warm up, no stand down, no Philip Island, no Queensland Raceway, just straight into it. What it's going to do is make it, I believe, and it's only a you know a belief, that it's possibly going to be the most competitive editor because you have to be on the game from day one. No, no little hitting, tipping in, you know, in first breakfast session or anything like that. You've got to be on it, and your co-driver has to be there with you. Do you agree with me, Andrew?
0: Uh, I think so. I think it's definitely going to be a, there's going to be a benefit into getting on it straight away. And if you look at the co-driver field, it's different to co-driver fields we've had in the past. It's got to be the strongest that we've ever seen. Um, so I think that's gonna that's gonna help. I always thought it'd be weird that we would go to Bathurst with nothing else, but we've talked about it so much, it almost feels normal now. Um, and I guess we have the co-driver sessions. There's a lot of practice at on the Bathurst week now. You know, starting from the Thursday, but still, there's going to be huge benefit to having a co-driver who's capable of just really getting on with it and doesn't need any more settling time. Every driver needs some settling in time when they get to Bathurst. They talk about it every single year. It is a track that you have to build up to a bit. But when you're talking about your Garth Tanders and your Craig Lowndes and your Michael Caruso's and your James Moffat's and blokes like that, they're going to settle in you know, quicker than than, than, than someone who doesn't have that, that sort of muscle memory of the circuit. Um, and I think the pace is going to be pretty hot in those co-driver sessions from, from Thursday onwards. Stephen? Yeah, I think so. Uh, not having Sandown
6: is one of those ones everyone focuses on what it means for the co-drivers, but I think there's there's other factors as well. And some of the teams I've spoken to have sort of played it down a bit, saying that, well, all, all of the events have pit stops in them now and it's not too dissimilar to Bathurst, but you always see when we get to the first enduro, normally at Sandown, it's all the little things with, um, with the way the strategy works and just little seat belts and, and the brake changes is a huge thing for Bathurst nowadays. So, um, yeah, all of that, Enduros are about process. And I think um, we'll see a few freight edges um, at Bathurst, partly because we don't have that warm up event.
1: It's certainly going to be uh, fascinating to see with so many of the teams. I mean, they, they've been scheduling testing this week um, and uh, obviously. Um, You know, some of them, like Prem in the number seventeen Mustang, he had a a slide off. I mean, obviously, it's only a hiccup really in the week, and you want that happening then, not next week. There's so much testing going on, and it's to do exactly what you're talking about. In fact, uh, Stephen, that everybody just really sorting out their brake pads, driver changes, all those sort of things, which normally would have been done on the sand out on the Thursday sort of thing or the Friday at Sandown. That's going to make things uh, pretty interesting with everybody, maybe having done it, but not really as smooth and polished as they should be. Is that right, Stefan?
6: Yeah, exactly. And um, the brake change I mentioned before, having to change the the rotor as a compulsory change we saw come in last year for Bathurst. And it was a classic case of... um, People were sort of high-fiving each other in the workshop saying they could do it in 25 seconds. But then when it came to the race, it was, it was key in the undoing of the 17 and the 97, which were two key cars that had really slow brake stops that put them back. And it's pretty hard to recover um, when you lose that much track position sort of midway through Bathurst these days. How and, the race have you runs,
1: heard so. of anyone having brake problems at all this year? I'm not aware of it anywhere.
0: Sorry, was that me you asked? Sorry about that. I just yeah, sorry. A yeah. Um, I'm not 100% of there being sort of any sort of um, fundamental or, or systematic brake issues, but obviously we saw the 17 have a brake problem um, at Queensland Raceway yesterday, and they lost a good, I think it was two and a half hours. Stephanie, you were there. I think it was two and a half hours or something they lost yeah. because of that. So that's definitely not... Not helpful, as Scotty said. At the end of the day, better to have it there than you know heading up towards the um, heading, heading up towards uh, at the end of Mountain Street or something like that. But still, you know, when when particularly for someone like Alex Prima, miles are at an absolute premium. That that's potentially costly. So um, I guess those things can happen. I don't know whether that's part of a greater problem or whether it was just you know one of those things that can happen. But uh, as Stefan said, it's more that the it's more that the, the break. Changes. That's that. That's what can be telling uh, on race day at Bathurst, and particularly as we look at probably the pace of the co-driver since, You know, they're not going to provide the automatic catch-up opportunity for teams like they used to. Um, it's going to be those little things that are going to make a big difference on uh, on race day on Sunday.
1: The very thing you just talked about, um, uh, Stefan, um, in terms of Bathurst and all that, is going to make it very difficult for the uh two wild cards, that being Kastecki Brothers and the American pair. Um Hinchcliffe's Canadian, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um Canadian and the American Alex Rossi. Um it's gonna make it very difficult for those wild cards to uh, step in, Steph and uh, to see how they can actually quickly get up to speed when in fact they're just getting into the cars for the first time today.
6: Yeah, definitely, and I think it's uh, it's great for us uh, on the outside that there's um, there's an international wildcard and a sort of young Super Two drivers and teams wildcard that we can sort of compare them against each other. Um, but then the sort of ironic thing is that they'll share a pit bay and and share a pit crew, um, so they're sort of they're each other's biggest uh, competitor, but also uh, sort of working together in a way as well. But it's going to be fascinating to see how they go. Inchcliff had a run with GRM, as we all know, at the Gold Coast in 2012 under that international driver format. But really, they're they're as good as rookies when it comes to the new gen cars and going up the Bathurst. So it's uh, it always adds a little bit more when there's some international flavour to uh, to the great race. Um, and it's and great it's, that it's it's easy to talk about a wildcard, but these guys at tour have actually put one together and put some good commercial partners around it there with Napa Auto Parts. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, good Good for the whole show.
1: Yeah. Andrew, um, you would have uh, seen that, uh, the fact that uh, one of my uh, nemesis of uh, Pit Lane, uh, Rob Corbett, stepping into the Kaseki uh, camp.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I think when you do go and try and tackle a race like Bathurst, it's good to have some experience on your side. Just coming back to what we were just talking about, you know, the little things making a big difference, that is often the case. And we see that where, uh, where you know, even the smaller teams in Pit Lane at at, at at a normal sprint round with a Sunday two hundred kilometre race, that sometimes the speed and the accuracy of the pit crews uh, for the smaller teams can can be uh, can be costly if if the efficiency is not there, and that's obviously amplified at a race like Bathurst. Once upon a time, those pit stops didn't matter as much because you had so much time to make up for the difference because it was a thousand kilometre race and it was an endurance race. But you know, it's not really an enduro anymore. It's about it's pretty much just a thousand kilometre long sprint race. Um, so yeah, look for them to have someone experienced like that in their corner, that's that's definitely going to um that's definitely gonna make a big difference. Um and yeah, that that's obviously there's a trickle down effect if they're sharing a boom uh, for both those wildcard cars for the Walkershaw entry, you know, I know there's been some staff boarding from other parts of the of the organisation to help run that car, but yeah, that's definitely an uphill battle those guys are facing. And good on like good on the drivers for, for, for coming and having to go at it because it's it's definitely it's going to be difficult. It's difficult. You don't just roll in and run top three and then, uh, and then expect to stay on the podium at the end of the day. This is a Bathurst 1000. These new-gen cars are easier to drive than they have been in the past, but they're still not easy to drive. They're still under-tired and overpowered, and if you're not used to driving them, particularly if you're coming from a world of open wheelers, um, to come and drive them for the first time is hard enough to come and do it at Bathurst, a place that really rewards uh, insider knowledge and knowing where to put the car and knowing what's coming next. That's a big R. So I actually really admire guys like that for um, for going, you know what, stop it, let's go and give it a go, even if we may not look like absolute heroes.
1: It's an amazing field, and, and you both made mention of the fact that you know it's quality right through it. Um, are there, I mean, obviously the Lowndes and Winkup and, and uh, even Prema and McLaughlin, because although they don't have success there, they certainly both have great speed at Bathurst. But uh, there's standouts in the pack for you. I mean, you know, Courtney Perkins or Scott Pye and Luff. I mean, Stephen, are there some that jump out at you and say, wow, they're a good chance?
6: Yeah, I guess when you look at the field, as you sort of suggest, there's um, those three key cars, the the 17, the 888 and the 97 that that stand out. And then you're sort of looking at who are going to be the contenders against those guys. Um, And... You would expect David Reynolds and Luke Youlden there at Erebus would be um, would be pretty high up in the list of the next blokes. Um, Baby's kind of had a little bit of a, a struggle in the last couple of events, but their Bathurst form is pretty hard to argue with, winning the race in 17 and then really uh, leading the pace uh, last year, if not winning the race. So um, you look at those guys. And then Tickford have shown some form. That was one of the key out, the take out the Pukakoi that... Um, those guys are probably going to be uh, contenders. You'd have to think that Mostert and Moffat would be leading that charge, but Cam um, Waters has uh, shown he can uh, be pretty strong at Bathurst, and with Michael Caruso alongside him, that's a pretty good lineup. And then uh, looking a bit further, you'd probably say off, off recent form that um, Nick Perkett and Tim Blanchard um, are a good little outside outside chance to at least of the podium, if not knocking off the... Uh, the big guns for the top step, so um, yeah, you could could get on, and I'm sure Andrew will pick out a couple more. But um, there's some uh, some real intrigue about how this is going to play out.
0: AVL, yeah, look, I think that um, I think Stefan's really nailed, it, particularly with Tickford there. I think they they go there with a really big chance of getting something out of this race because um, that's a, that that driver lineup's pretty deep across the board as well. Because you know even Will and Alex Davison, you know, again maybe not. Maybe not a partnership that's going to go there and stick it on pole and drive away from the field, but definitely a partnership that's capable of being there at the right time to pick up a podium. I think you could say the same about uh, Anton Di Pasquale and Will Brown. You know, I mean, Anton was amazing in qualifying there last year, sticking the thing third on the grid in the shootout there, despite making a bit of a blue at the last corner. Um, so he's got some pace, and he's only going to be better for being a year further into his career. Um, Will Brown's largely, you know, he's not having a great season at Super Two, but he's largely spoken as sort of the uh, as sort of the next the the the, the, the next talent that's not currently full time in Supercars. So a good opportunity for him in a year where he's in some form, winning a lot of TCR races, to go and uh, to go and sort of try and do something spectacular. Um, so yeah, there's another couple of cars that could be in the mix. You know, I think Lee Holdsworth is sort of starting to get his head around the Tickford package and starting to show some speed. Uh, Tommy Randall will be keen to, you know, he wants to be on the main gra- uh, main game grid next year or at least put himself in the conversation for next year or the year after. So another good opportunity for him to go and try and do something special. And the good thing is that there's not, no one's really protecting a championship. So I guess that the, the, these kids have got an opportunity to actually to actually sort of put on the line a little bit and have a go. And we might, we might really get to see how good, you know, a Tom Randall or a or Will Brown really is this year. This could be the opportunity for them to go and, to go and really have a crack at, at, Which, crack at doing something special.
1: It, it brings up, in fact, uh, an interesting point because Lee Holdsworth at his last outing qualified second on the grid and then got dudded, dutted big time. Um, have either of you seen anything, Stephen, um, uh, anything from supercars or from you know, race management cams? to say that yes we understand that the mistake you know has there really been an explanation as to what happened
6: no there, there hasn't really not that uh, has come out officially and the, the narrative on all of that certainly um publicly uh jamie sort of uh, took the spotlight because of uh, his, his comments that he'd made on the sunday night and, and the fallout with that of the cam ceo uh, eugenia rocker making some very strong statements about potential punishments including a race ban for, for jamie and then it coming out that he'd uh, sort of apologised and uh, everyone's sort of going to play on and, and go to Bathurst. But um, yeah, hopefully we don't see any of the, the sort of safety car uh, drama that we saw at Pukekohe. No one likes seeing a race that heavily affected by a safety car and safety cars are always um, a big part of the, the race at Bathurst regardless but uh, there was only three last year obviously we saw a, a race record six hours and one minute because of largely the fact that there was so few safety car interventions. It was more of an old-school, proper enduro. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays this year. Less safety cars means less uh, sort of impact of double stacking as well, which could be pretty important when we're talking about the 888 and the 97 being two of the three red-hot contenders.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, Andrew, one of the things that I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I'll say it, I I think Cam's... And race management really ineptly handled it, not only the incident itself, but the aftermath of it. Um, Eugene Oroca really displayed some atrocious form. Um, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him, particularly when he was an administrator in North Melbourne. Um, but uh, over this little escapade, it was pathetic. It really was. The way in which they treated something, and they were treating the Australian race fans with disdain the way they did it. Um, uh, you, Andrew, uh, you've seen a lot of these things happen internationally, and there's been far better ways. We, we, we lost Michael Massey, and it was the gain of the FIA and Formula One. But by it wouldn't it be great to have him back here?
0: Yeah, look, I, you, you've, you've gone pretty hard there. I don't know if I'd follow you all the way into the corner. It's quite that right. breaking market. But, um, but uh, I, I think what's important to appreciate here is that... Um, so when, when Cam's came down so heavily on Jamie initially, and I definitely say initially because he's effectively got away with it in the end, but without that first, the way they come down, I mean, I spoke to Eugene about this. Um, they had no problem with a driver, Jamie, Cam, Waters, whoever, criticising the decision. They were upset when Jamie criticised the decision makers. And I think that is an important distinction to make. And I don't think there's a sport in the world which would tolerate somebody making accusations or implications like that about race officials. So I actually think that's a fair enough stance to take. If you don't like the decision and you want to get on TV and say, that was a bad decision and I don't agree with it, fine. Particularly because I, I, would, I would agree that, that a mistake was made and the green lights should have been on the safety car. But, you know, the way that, the way that Jamie spoke about race officials, that was never going to escape any sort of attention. Eugene obviously made some pretty close comments himself. Uh, and in the end, the whole matter sort of got dropped. And I think the fact that it got dropped, and this is me saying this, this is not anything I know, or, or, but I, I feel like that was a case of, okay, well, mistakes have been made across the board. Let's just, uh, let's just let this one go. Because I think in any other circumstance, um, Jamie wouldn't have been dealt with so leniently, ultimately, for making comments like that. As for what actually happened with the incident, Yes, I think the green light should have been on the safety car. I also think that Jamie stripped race control of any opportunity to try and fix the initial mistake when he barged past the safety car. So again, a fault can lie in a number of different areas. It was just a mess. And it was just a mess. And I think the green light being on the safety car would have solved it initially, but it just became a mess and it was compounded into a bigger mess. And then we were left with something that was fascinating, but... Yeah, I can appreciate frustrating for a lot of teams and for fans as well.
2: In fact, guys, I've been at race meetings where there's been a situation where safety car has done something similar and what they've done is where because the driver hasn't gone and jumped the safety car, what they've been able to do is they've been able to go back and say, these cars are going to stay at the start-finish line, these cars are going to go around and get scored, and we're going to put you back into the order that you know the scorers had before the mistake got made. So as you said, AVL, as soon as Jamie jumped the safety car, that option, even if it was considered, I don't know, but that option got completely taken off the table because at least if you've got some form of stack, you can then go and correct it, and put the cars back in, but once someone's just gone off the reservation, you can't. You, it's it's then too broken.
0: I agree. I think I think the case to say that race control made a mistake would have been much stronger if Jamie hadn't have done what he done what he did, because he effectively he uh, he effectively bailed out. He gave, he gave, he gave you know, the officials the opportunity to say, well, we could have, And they could have fixed it. It, was a, it would have been very convoluted. And, and as you just said, whether they would have fixed it or not, that's a completely separate issue. That doesn't actually matter because we never got to that point to see whether that would happen or not. So that was still a poor decision, poor decision on Jamie's behalf as well, in, in my opinion.
2: Now, I know there's a lot of newcomers to the sport, but this isn't the first time that we've gone into a new Bathurst without a 500K enduro. It's probably only Aaron Noonan that could go into the details, but uh, anyone remember when drivers were getting pulled out of the car in a 500-degree November afternoon back in the, what was it, Primus 1000 days? There was no so, sand down lead in, in those days. Oh, I think they did still have the Sandown 500 in those days. Yeah, but it wasn't uh, the month before yeah obviously lot's changed uh,
6: in in the intervening years in terms of uh how fit the drivers are and how well they looked after with the mod cons of uh, airflow and full cool suits and all that but uh yeah it's always interesting to look back and like um this is definitely not uh not trying to tip him under the bus but it was interesting i was doing a bassist preview chat with um with mark Scaife the other day who was quite rightly pointing out that um the, the, the impact that this is going to have, not having a sandown on on Bathurst. And uh, it sort of reminded me that back in, like, the early 90s, teams like Gibson Motorsport, who Scafie was driving for, elected not to do sandown. Mm. They, they genuinely chose to just focus on workshop prep and and testing, which was a little more open then than now. But, um, yeah, it was just interesting to, to see how much even that's changed, like, 25 years ago. Um, yeah. Big, big teams would either run one car or, or just not go to stand down at all in that era. Um, so, yeah, it, it's funny how uh, things change over time.
2: Can I put forward, and this is basically because last year I ran out of steam, but is the Bathurst week becoming too big and too long? Is it getting to a point now where, what, we've got guys going down on, on Tuesday, guys you know, starting work in the garages on at least at the very latest Wednesday. Is
1: this... No, there used to be, Craig, teams would be there on the Sunday beforehand, painting floors and things like that. So it's actually, the the race week has shortened.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, To me, it felt, last year felt like the longest Bathurst ever. Well,
1: I mean, there are some people, and and as uh, you all know, Gary Rogers is not one of my... uh, um, well I'm not one of his fans um, I, I actually rather like his ideas of uh, just turning up on Saturday and uh, doing practice qualifying and on the day and then race Sunday two day meeting. I don't think that's really ever likely to happen but it's certainly an interesting point of view um, rather than having the, the Thursday and the Friday as well, well I feel um, they don't even get that for a,
2: a sprint race let alone for a big race
1: <laughs> Yeah, I
0: think, there's, uh, I think there's sort of commercial considerations and like, this is a big this is the, the you know the, the jewel in the crown of the supercars. There's not something that you want to be trying to shorten or or or, or try and take a glean off. I don't think you know. I, I David Reynolds would definitely argue this because you know he talked about there the impact of what being the reigning winner was in the lead up to last year's race and how busy he was with the media and stuff. But I think there was more at play there in terms of uh, his breakdown at the end of the race. Um, I I don't feel like the week's too long. I think we should make a big deal out of it. You know, you could say. You know, the footy players really need to go to a grand final parade. No, but it's, this is all part of the promotion of the sport and about trying to make it as appealing to an audience as possible. So I don't think doing anything to try and downplay the Bathurst 1000 is a move in the right direction. This is the uh, this is the this is the big one. Um, it happens to fall at a busy time of the season, but that's not really much you can do about that. Um, I think it just has to be it has to be made a, it has to be a big deal. I think it's just super important for the sport. Stephen?
6: Yeah, it's funny, um, like, uh, we always talk about how much practice there is at Bathurst and how essential that is for all the drivers, but last year we got about as close as you want to get to having a two-day Bathurst because the (laughs) joint didn't dry out until, like, uh, Friday afternoon, from memory. And the co-drivers basically only had one session in the dry, I think, on Saturday, uh, midday-ish Saturday, to uh, do any laps before the race. So, um, yeah, uh, weather can be a curveball and take-out practice time as well. So, uh, but as Andrew was saying, I don't think we need to be doing any shortening. And in fact, these IndyCar blokes um, would probably be turning up. Going, I thought this thought this goes for a month. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's about this time we should start looking at, um, you know, maybe even suggesting who's going to take pole. Um, but poles and podiums. Um, so, uh, Stephen, do you want to lead off there? Uh, I guess
6: um, it's hard to. Go against the the 17 when it comes to qualifying form, but the the arrow change to the Commodores before Cookcoi is kind of uh, a bit unknown as to how big a factor that's going to be and whether that uh, sort of puts the the Red Bull blokes in particular ahead. Uh, we saw them take both poles at Cookcoi, which went against the the form of what we'd seen at previous events. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty. Difficult to say. And, the same with, and that uh, was the Jamie's
1: polls. first poll of the year, wasn't
6: it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. And that was in the shootout there on Sunday. And I think um, Shane had done a pretty mega mega lap to, to get the poll on the Saturday. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Obviously, Dave Reynolds got got poll last year. Um, did a really good job in the shootout at Bathurst. And as as ever, it'll be fascinating not only to see who gets the poll, but uh, what time they end up producing. We only saw, as we said, a couple of dry sessions last year, and we got a 4-1 at the pole time.
2: After the break, we continue our roundtable with Stefan and Andrew and Tony. I hope you'll stay with us. Each
5: week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the
1: world.
7: Yeah, I mean, it it means a lot. Through the years, a lot of reference this race as one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task.
1: Uh, We were able to beat the two levels to the boys and uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him.
6: So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the Raptors and the family.
5: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Will Brown, co-driver of the Penright Racing Number 99 car for
1: Anton Di Pasquale. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're here with Stefan Bartholomew from supercars.com and Andrew Van Leeuwen from motorsport.com. And we're just now getting into the last moments of the show this week. Uh, Tony Whitlock and Craig Revelle getting uh, your thoughts, uh, Stefan and Andrew. Um, First of all, um, Andrew, let's go with you and uh, about maybe a poll uh, position and maybe your podium for this year's uh, Bathurst?
0: All right. I think it's really difficult. I think there's a few contenders to pole, but if you really want to and, you know, a nailed-on favourite, you've got to go with with Scotty Mack in the 17. Um, I think his qualifying speed across the season has been spectacular. A lot of things have changed in terms of the aero packages. You know, the the, the different cars are running, so we could see a a tighter battle for pole than we might have seen if we rolled into Bathurst. A couple of months ago, but I still think that you know Scotty's got it in him to go and do something pretty specky in qualifying. I think we could see a Hollywood number as well. Um, I think you could um, you could well see see them go deep into the uh, into the threes. Um, you know that Mustang should be pretty speedy over the top. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think I think Scotty for pole. Um, in terms of the race, I actually like the 97. I like Gears and Garth to go and get it done on race day. Um, oh, I the think KO that pairing and the
2: ship coming out.
0: Oh, I think the. Uh, I just think the. Oh, it's another another podcast. Wow!
2: I well, think no, the. Um, it's just they're the face that launched Ko last week, and oh, uh, really? surprise, surprise, the Ko podcast is back in the Ko
0: representatives. <laughs> oh yeah, this is definitely not the first I'm hearing of that at all. I definitely was totally across all that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, it's um, no. Nah, look, I just I just like it. I think um, I think Giz's lap on the Saturday and quality at Pookie it was just that classic Giz lat where when he really gets up and about, when he gets motivated, he's almost unstoppable. And I think he'll be seeing this as like a real chance to go and get a Bathurst win. There's not really any championship to, to worry about. That's The best thing for Giz's championship is just to win races now anyway. If he wants to end up with any chance of getting anywhere and try and use Garth to put the pressure on Alex Premer uh, in, the, in the co-driver stint to go, okay, if you want to play with the big boys, then let's go. And maybe try and draw a mistake out of him. And then Potentially make up three hundred points on Scotty, you know. So I think there's there's nothing for for Gears to really lose from just going to Bathurst and absolutely going for it. The Holden seems to have responded to the latest wave of aero changes, and, and to me, they're they're going to be the pairing to beat. And it could well be a it could well be a triple eight one two as well. I think you know you could really see Jamie and um, Jamie and uh, Craig finishing on the podium as well. And then you know beyond that, you know everyone from seventeen to to. Um, you know, either Penske car, you know, obviously Dave Reynolds and Luke Gilden, they're all podium chairs. I think the podium is is pretty, is pretty wide open because you've got three, if not four Tickford cars that could well be in that podium mix as well. You know, we covered it off a little earlier, but I think that, I don't know, it just feels like this is a wide open, this is a wide open battle. Even though you've got some really good cars with really good drivers in them right at the top, in terms of those top three spots, you know, this is, it feels really wide open this year.
1: Just uh, one wild card sort of thing. Well, not a wild card, but um, it was amazing the form at uh, Sandown of James Golding. I hadn't seen that before. I really hadn't. I mean, he's got three top tens in the last two years. Uh, top ten finishes. Um, he just had never shown that, but suddenly, he came alive in that 5,000. Now, that's obviously going to make a big impact on his uh, psyche, isn't it, uh, Stefan?
6: Yeah, and I think as well, he did a really good job at Bathurst last year. I think he just Missed the shootout, but then ran in the ten pretty much all day, and uh, got a career best finish to that point. At the end of that race, he was uh, yeah running with with the big boys all day, so uh, he'll take a bit of confidence into Bathurst.
1: And Stefan, um, your, your ideas on some podium places?
6: Yeah, definitely, it's not not a good thing to go second in this discussion because I'm going to be uh, going to be boring and pick the same <laughs> winner as uh, as AVL. I think. Um, like all those those top guys, whether it's uh, Shane or Jamie or Scotty or anyone, they're uh, sort of known quantities. But the, the thing that I think does it for me for the 97 is is Garth in the in the co-driving spot because I think if he went up there as a lead driver in a Triple Eight car, he'd be bloody hard to beat. Um, so he's going to uh, obviously Craig Lowndes in, in the second car is going to be very good as well. But I think Garth is just just race sharp and hungry and, and ready to go. I think he can trade bows with any of the primary drivers if he needs oh. to. And um, we, we sort of talk about, like, you've got to buy a ticket to the, to the end of the race. That's sort of the old cliche. But these days you need to buy a front row ticket because it's so hard to get track position late. And I think how the track position plays out at the end of the co-driver cycle, end of the last co-driver spin, is uh, going to be really important. And I certainly don't see too many being quicker than, than Garth.
1: One of the important things about Garth, in fact, um, is how relaxed he's been. I, it, it's like his early days. He just is, is so relaxed. I think that that's a, a clue maybe to uh, his success because he can certainly help Shane get that uh, missing ingredient in his uh, his success uh, in supercars, you know, a podium or a win at Bathurst, I mean, it, it's obviously begging for, for Shane to do that, and Garth would be the person maybe to unlock the door for him. Yeah, I guess yeah. being a
0: three-time Bathurst winner sort of helps as well, you know, like he's not going there with anything to prove. He doesn't have to, you know, you sort of feel like with Alex Prema every year that people say, you know, is he up to it? He's not racing enough. He's not overly familiar with these cars, whereas Garth doesn't have any of those question marks in his world at all. You know, he just goes up there knowing he's good enough to win Bathurst because he's done it before. As Stefan said, he could win Bathurst as a primary driver in a triple-A car very easily. So with one of the quickest blokes in the country um, sat next to him, someone who's really going to want to go win his first Bathurst, you know, Garth just couldn't really be in a better in a better position. I think he can have a relaxed mind frame, but you know, relaxed in a way that he knows he's going to be competitive, not relaxed as in, you know, I don't care if I'm fast or not. He just knows he's going to be fast because – He's guff Tander, and he's driving a triple eight car at Mount Panorama. Like that, that's just ingredients for that, that are going to work together.
2: So Indeed. How much of a, uh, how much of a different feel do we have going to Bathurst this year, and particularly with the year we've had, because the Aero package that got given to the Holdens feels like. It's brought them back to uh, uh, to level terms with the Mustangs. And if that package didn't work, do you think we'd be exci- as excited about what was going to happen this weekend?
6: Yeah, I think, uh, firstly, our last word on the, the Garth stuff, maybe he's uh, more... Uh, he seems relaxed and comfortable this year because he doesn't have to eat the steering wheel for the first time because he's got a... Sharing with the driver, that's a similar high him. But uh, yeah, obviously, the if we if we gone to Bathurst to say the first round the way the Mustangs rolled out, um, yeah, it would have been an absolute uh, drubbing. One would would have thought if Scotty's sort of getting pulled by half a second, at joints that have a a minute lap time, then you rock around Bathurst in two oh three or whatever. Um, the Commodores probably would have been a long way behind. It's sort of been interesting the way the, the year has unfolded and Triple Eight have managed to uh, manoeuvre their way into a far stronger position than the, than they were. Um, yeah, and the latest change at Kelly has sort of uh, now has got people talking about Triple um, Eight being the favourites to go to Bathurst, which um, when you look at the, the win tally for the year, it seems outrageous, but it genuinely uh, is very hard to know how it's going to play out. And it's uh, a bit of an unknown for all the all the Holden boys exactly what the balance of their car is going to be like uh, going to Bathurst with this aero package with so little data on it. But uh, as we were talking about before, they have enough practice
0: time up there to, to work it all out. What I think is kind of interesting is that um, before this aero change, there were so many Holden teams and drivers saying, Oh well, let's just at least get to Bathurst because the Mustang is going to be so draggy down the straight. We might actually have a chance there if we can get in front of them we're going have a straight line down Conrad, we might actually be able to do something, if not in qualifying on race day. And the second the aero change went through and they went to Pookie and suddenly went really quick, it was just a complete 180-degree change on that. Everyone's going, you know, Dado saying, thank God we've got this, or it would have been an not non evented batter. So it kind of muddies the waters a little bit of exactly either where they were at or where they are now. But I think uh, at the end of the day, nobody's sitting there going, can you please take this gurney flap off my car so I have less downforce? So They're all going, let's go to Bathurst and give these Mustangs a real we'll run for their money over the top.
1: Well, we do have to remind ourselves, of course, that when the ZB Commodore rolled out, it was a double win that weekend in Adelaide. And uh, AAA have certainly not lost none of their skill or uh, ability to make a fast car. So it's going to be fascinating. The one thing I hope that comes out of this year's Bathurst is maybe we don't get a surprise winner, but we get a surprise on the podium. I'd love to see one of the, not maybe the newbies, not one of the, the wild cards, but uh, I'd love to see a new couple of f- fresh faces on that podium. Um, and certainly a new winner would be fantastic as well. I'm sure you'd agree there, Stephen. Yeah, and it's uh, it's certainly a car that i didn't quite mention in
6: my little rap earlier, but Andrew did that uh, Anton and, and Will Brown probably have the opportunity to, to go up there and do something pretty special. It was the first passes for both guys last year and for Anton, as, as Andrew was saying, to, to go and put it in the shootout and do the lap he did to be P3 on the grid. Um, yeah. And then run, run second early in the race before they sort of had a few things unravel. Um, sort of sets a pretty good foundation that if the Erebus cars do have that uh, the speed that they did last year, they could be the, the feel-good story of,
0: of a breakthrough podium. Yeah, uh, look, I think that, you know, we might not, given the depth of the field, we might not see what you call a surprise winner, but seeing a new winner, that's entirely plausible if we think about that. Scotty Mack hasn't won there, Shane Van Gisbergen hasn't won there, you know, Cam Waters, Michael Caruso... Um, Chaz Mossett has won there. James Moffat hasn't. You know, there's a, if you look through the contenders, um, short of it just being a triple eight walk in the park, we're a very good chance of seeing someone, uh, someone go and win their first, um, their first Bathurst 1000. So that's always, that's always great to see. Um, and having contenders that are going to have that hunger to go and get it. And what, what it's, I just, I, I've never been, I've never been one to campaign for Bathurst not being part of the championship. I think in the, in the modern world, it has to be, but, just not having any championship impl- implications hanging over the race just seems to have given it a bit of a. a it's just fired it up a little bit. You just go. There's, there's no one's got there's, there's no reason for anybody not to be absolutely on it all weekend. There's no reason for anybody to sit back in the last right seat and go, "Well, second here is really going to help me try and you know do something in terms of the the, the points table." It's just going to be let's go win Bathurst. It's all about winning the Bathurst one thousand, and that's just. That just makes it cool. What? I'm sure. No one
2: we're... ever mentioned the 12 car when they're talking about big chances. This entire conversation, uh, no one said, oh, cool, Tartan, uh, Alberto are a, a, a red hot chance. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned them in the earlier
0: discussion that they'll be in the mix. I think they definitely will. There's always question marks over Fabian's uh, fuel economy, given that he left foot brakes. That seems to be a, something that comes up every single year. I think Dalberto does a fantastic job every year. They're going to be in the mix, absolutely no doubt that. But Fabian is fast about it, no question about that. Yeah, and, yeah, they're, they're going to be in the mix. Um, it's just the field is just so tight. Whether you'd have them as an absolute favourite right now, that's uh, I, I just, I, I don't, but it wouldn't be the world's most shocking outcome if they went and qualified the car really well, even on the front row, raced at the front all day and, and won the race. It, it's probably, you could say that about, you know, like I say, probably three to four TIGs of cars at least. And there's just so many cars in that conversation at the moment. The Erebus cars, there's just so much going on. But I guess that's why you don't jump to the 12 car. But it's definitely going into the race as, as a contender. Stefan, would you agree?
6: yeah absolutely it sort of goes under the radar a little bit because when you think about that that team you think about the 17 um it is it is a bit of an unknown in terms of outright speed i mean fabian qualified 15th for Bathurst last year obviously it was a bit of an unusual situation with having so little dry running um but yeah what you say about the fuel economy is something that people talk about a lot with with fabian at, at Bathurst. but uh on the other side of the coin, Tony was one of the one of the Starco drivers. I think last year that probably didn't get the credit he deserved for the job he did in, in all three enduros. Um, he did a bit of heavy lifting in that car, so um, yeah, it, it's thereabouts. You would think that if there is uh, ill time safety cars that burn people on a double stack, it's probably going to be the twelve that gets that gets done in that team. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. probably another reason why it's not quite touted as, as a red hot favourite because of how how strong the the lead car is going to be.
2: Now, Crayley on this show is the man who has twice picked the podium. I'm not going to put that pressure on any of you guys, but let's box the trifecta then. Tony, who's the three that'll be standing on the podium? You can, if you want, say which step. I I can
1: can say who's going to be in which place. No, I don't think I'm going to try that. But um, I I certainly think that uh, Reynolds and you will again step up. Um, I, I I want to say that I want to see some new new gut blood up there, and I'd love to see after a, a pair of seconds for Scotty Pie. I'd love to see him do that. I think that... Uh, they're capable of doing it, and I think they'll be on the podium, and they could be, in fact, on the big step. Could help is um, for
2: a drive next year, too. Yeah, 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 indeed.
1: No doubt no, no about that. And um, I, I actually will uh, agree with a comment about Anton and Will Brown. I think that they're a the, they're red-hot chance to uh, to make that uh, big jump from uh, being on a podium for, for Anton and never being on a podium for Will as yet, but that could happen. So I think those are the three that I would like to see. Do, and of course.
2: Two cars and a mobile car. You've got the, an oil trifecta. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: Anton. Uh, yes. uh, uh, you, Andrew. I, I would go. Okay.
0: So I've already said the 97 is going to win.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: I think, I reckon car six. I reckon that Caruso and Waters could be a, could be a big, uh, could be a big shout. I think it's a great opportunity for Caruso. It's going to be the best shot he's ever had at a Bathurst podium heading up there. Uh, and Cam Waters, I think he's, um, It'd be a good place for him to go and and sort of um, sort of say, you know, oh, I really am a contender and I deserve to be in one of these front-running cars. And um, I just don't feel like the day, the race day, is going to work out for seventeen. I feel like it's going to be on pole, but I just have, a, I don't say that for any reason. It's just something. I just don't want to be boring and put them in there. So let's throw. I think trip. I think car triple is going to be there at the end. I just think it's. I can't see it not being there at the end. So probably two Red Bull cars, uh, and let's go with a monster Mustang. All right. All right. Okay. Definitely.
6: Well, that'll get back to your mates, Aviel, that you've gone with with uh, <laughs> Truce for the big podium and no Reynolds. But anyway. You know, I um... he,
1: was money when he
0: was
2: going to <laughs> oh, put I'll... nine as the last
0: one up. I I'll, uh, I'll, I'll happily tell him. I'll tell him. I'll tell him tomorrow. We're filming one tomorrow. I'll tell Reynolds I don't rate him. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah oh, i
6: think uh there's we can no crystal ball it all day here. but there's AB uh
2: teeing off on his own co-host on another podcast. <laughs> seven sorry we've we've distracted you
6: that's all right I'll, I'll be pretty brief i think um yeah i'll just put 97 17 and triple eight because anything else uh we're just guessing i just expect those cars to be the strongest and maybe some variables will take them out but um yeah you've got to go with that as a baseline
1: it's one of the things, isn't it, you know, that uh, it's like cliches. I mean, you know, contenders are contenders because they have the form, whether it's the car, whether it's the driver, or it's the engineering. Um, you know, and it's, of course, Bathurst is one of those places that demands you have to get all those things right. Um, and you've almost got to get it right every session. I mean, I think the days of uh, Jason Bright and Steve Richards winning after crashing on a Thursday or Friday, I think they're gone. I don't think people can recover from those sort of things anymore. Um, but uh, I, I certainly think it's going to be a fascinating race. I'm looking forward to catching up with both of you gentlemen up there and uh, uh, hearing more on the developments in the following uh, days coming up before the race. It should be a fascinating event this year. It should be fun. Indeed. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Levelle saying goodbye to Stephen Bartholomew and Andrew Van Luren.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks. After the break, a final thought here on Inside Supercars.
5: Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com. Hi,
7: I'm Tony Delberto from Shell V-Power Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars.
5: Welcome back
2: to Inside Supercars. A final thought. Scott Pye and Warren Luff were the runners-up last year. Warren Luff was the runner-up the last two years. And here's a few of their thoughts ahead of this weekend.
8: It's all always one percenters. I think, you know, to, to, to come second, it's not really any different as to... The, the effort that's required is no different than what it is to win. It's just... Sometimes it's your day and sometimes it's not. The last two years we've come very close, but we haven't really had the ultimate car speed, I think, at the end of the day. We've been, I believe, you know, it's, it's uh, tough, but we've been beaten by the faster faster crew that, uh, faster crew, team that day. You know, we've been... Uh, Dave Reynolds, the first year, when we come second to him, was extremely quick, gapped us after that last safety car. And then last year, Craig was, you know, I think even against Reynolds at the end of the race, was in a league of his own. So... Um, for us, second was the best we could do on that day. Hopefully, we got a little bit more speed at the end of the day and we can get that extra, extra place on the podium. But, uh, I mean, I'm not at all disappointed with our performance in the last couple of years. It's been awesome. And, you know, Luffy's done a mega job starting the race for the last two years. So, uh, you know, in terms of strategy, we don't know what we're going to do yet. We'll work that out across the weekend. But, uh, you know, Bathurst is the first uh, endurance event for the season. So, uh, with Luffy in the car, I feel like I'm in a very good position. You know, we've got a good pairing. And, We've shown what we can do at the mountain and now we just need to find out one, you know, three seconds.
7: Look, as Scott said, any time that you can finish on the podium at Bathurst, it's always been a good weekend. But, uh, yeah, you do look back now and go, sort of, what can we do? And as a team, what can we improve? To be able to sort of go that one step high, because as as he said, to finish second these last two years has been a, a fantastic result. Um, but yeah, it's just improving that a little bit right, out, right across the day because it's a it's a long day. It's 161 laps. There's so many pit stops. There's plenty of safety cars, and there's all there's all those things that some things that are out of your control. Um, but look, we've had a we've had a great team the last couple of years, and our strategy has really been sort of on point as well. So it's just uh, that little bit more car speed is ultimately what we need. And uh, we had a really successful test last week, so. Um, Yeah, fingers crossed we can have that car that puts
8: Scott in contention at the end of the day. I mean, we've seen over the past few years, even back when Garth was always strong at the end of the race, I think when the cloud cover comes over at the end of the race, track temperature cools down, um, those sort of conditions, I think, really allow our car to come into its own. We, you know, typically throughout the day uh, may not have the fastest car. We've been able to be consistent, but then at the end of the day, I think it really comes into our own as the track cools down. And um, I think this year we're uh, predicting a slightly cooler uh, year than we've seen in the past, so hopefully that puts us in good stead, but um, it's hard, I mean you roll out a weekend with a, effectively a new package each time where the engineers come up with the best um, setup they believe uh, but I think that for us, you know, we've been there a number of times now, we're pretty experienced there particularly with Luffy, um, but for me even, I feel like I'm in a good place when I go to the mountain, uh, I can get my eye in quick and um, yeah, we've been fortunate the car has been pretty handy there over the last few years, so uh, I don't know, in terms of the whole package, I think Bathurst is not put down to one thing um, suiting the circuit. We've been lucky, well, fortunate we've got one of the best crews in the lane. Our pit stops are on point. Our strategy's been amazing. You know, we've done well as drivers the last couple of years, and the engineers have given us the car to do the job. You just kind of stay out of trouble, and um, and look, as a co-driver,
7: it's all about sort of just doing your job and ultimately the the race is won at the end of the day so as a co-driver we're sort of there to do sort of the middle stint but it's up to scott towards the end of the race so my job is really to be able to sort of most importantly you've got to hand the car back in one piece uh, and hopefully be able to put him in a position where he can he can fight on at the end of the day so um yeah stay out of trouble it's a it's 161 laps it's that old analogy you can't win the race on the first lap but you can certainly lose it Um, So yeah, just get out there and sort of do the best I can And
2: hand it back and then watch him create his magic at the end of the day Tony Whitlock, your final thought ahead of this year's 1000
1: Given that this is the last opportunity I have I will reiterate comments of last week And that is that I so hope that we have Not for the sake of the Vachis race Not for the sake of the series or anything like that But just for the sake of motorsport in general there have been so many young, young lads, so good at their, what they do. Scott Pye, Anton DiBasquale, you know, and Andrew Jones, Jack LeBrock, so many of these young blokes. And it's about time, Nick Perkett did it a few years ago with Garth as his lead. And it's about time one of these other young drivers, now they step up. And I would love to see one of them take out the Batas 1000 to give the big kickstart to their career. Because they're obviously talented to be where they are because it is the closest series in the world in touring car racing. And it would be just wonderful to have one of those young men do it. Uh, and all it needs to do is just have a trouble-free week. Not easily done, but that's what is needed.
2: Tony, that's all we have time for this week. Great to have you along, along with Andrew Van Leeuwen and Stephen Bartholomew. Certainly, you're going to have a a busy few days there at Bathurst before I join you.
1: I'm looking forward to it, and one of the things I will try and put together is, in fact, a track walk. One that, uh, post-Bathurst race, that people will be able to enjoy drivers describing and engineers the way around that six-kilometre track. So that's it from me.
2: And good night from him.
5: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.